Warning, the following message may be offensive to some audiences. These audiences may include, but are not limited to, professing Christians who never read their Bible, sissies, sodomites, men with man buns, those who approve of men with man buns, man bun enablers, white knights for men with man buns, homemakers who have finished Netflix but don't know how to meal plan, and people who refer to their pets as fur babies. Your discretion is advised. People are tired of hearing nothing but doom and despair on the radio. The message of Christianity is that salvation is found in Christ alone, and any who reject Christ therefore forfeit any hope of salvation, any hope of heaven. The issue is that humanity is in sin and the wrath of Almighty God is hanging over our heads. They will hear his words, they will not act upon them, and when the floods of divine judgment, when the fires of wrath come, they will be consumed and they will perish. God wrapped himself in flesh, condescended, and became a man, died on the cross for sin, was resurrected on the third day, has ascended to the right hand of the Father, where he sits now to make intercession for us. Jesus is saying there is a group of people who will hear his words, they will act upon them, and when the floods of divine judgment come in that final day, their house will stand. Welcome to Bible Bash, where we aim to equip the saints for the works of ministry by answering the questions you're not allowed to ask. We're your hosts, Harrison Kerrigan and Pastor Tim Mullet, and today we'll seek to answer the age-old question, do I have to violate my fad diet just because some jerk from church made me dinner? Now, it might come as a bit of a shock to some, but the Christian life is actually more than just seeing other people, other Christians, your brothers and sisters in Christ, more than just Sunday morning. And, and Wednesday night, too, I guess. It's more than seeing your Christian brothers and sisters more than two times a week that typically span about two to three hours max, probably. Um, we see it throughout the, uh, the book of Acts. Uh, we see it in Jesus's life. Um, we see it in the early church, and we should be seeing it today as well. Brothers and sisters in Christ that come together and spend time with one another love each other by getting to know one another and, and building relationships with, with one another that go, like I said, just beyond a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night class. Um, we, should, we should be in each other's lives. And one of the ways that is easy to do this is by sharing meals together. Uh, and not only, not only do we use meals as a way to get to know each other and, and be any, involved in each other's lives, but we also use it, or we should be using it at least, as a way to serve other people uh, when they're in need. Uh, one of the things that I love so much about the church that, that Tim and I attend is um, when people are in need, when people are sick, a lot of people are having babies right now. One of the, one of the things that everyone loves to do is come together and say, hey, let, let's make a list and let, you know, let's put a schedule together of who can bring um, uh, meals to the new parents or to whoever is sick so, so that we can take that burden off of them and serve them in that way and demonstrate our love for one another. Um, and, and so meals end up becoming a pretty big part of the Christian life just because, because they're so universal. We all need to eat. And, um, and so this is a, just a good way to be involved with one, one another, serve one another. The problem is that it seems like more and more uh, there there's with the, with the invention of the internet, especially there's 
like cropping up all of these different kinds of diets that you can start. I mean, there's a, there's pretty much, I feel like it, there's a diet for everything. If you want to cosplay as like a caveman, there's a caveman diet that you can follow where you just eat raw meat. <laughs> and that's supposed to be, you know, that's supposed to be healthy for you. Um, there's diets, you know, avoiding meat altogether. There's diets that take it beyond just avoiding meat and involve avoiding all animal products whatsoever, you know, gluten-free diets, sugar-free diets, which I mean, to be fair, we should probably all be eating a lot less sugar than we actually do, but that's a conversation for a different day. There's, there's tons of different kinds of diets out there. And on top of that, it seems like there's more and more people who are being um, either self-diagnosed or diagnosed uh, by a family doctor or something with various different types of um, allergies as it relates to food, peanut allergies, nut allergies in general, I think is a big one. Um, uh, milk allergies. That that's a pretty big one too. Gluten is like the, like the, mo it seems like the most popular one now. Gluten. Uh, now that uh, Gwyneth Paltrow invented the gluten allergy, <laughs> literally everyone has the gluten. Every, allergy everyone now. has it now. Um, but there, there's all these diets coming up. There's all these allergies that that people are getting diagnosed with more and more. And that seems to create problems when it comes to other people serving you food. Uh, it, right. seem, it seems to create issues where people start to say, okay, here, here's, you know, hey, I want to make you a meal. Okay, well, here's what I can have and what I can't have. And it's like this long, long list of things. And, and, uh, to be fair, I think there are, you know, some allergies that literally are like a, Hey, if I eat this, I'll die kind of thing. Um, I don't, I don't know that those are, um, I think those are probably pretty rare, but, but they are out there. Um, and, and so you have all these problems. And so we wanted to take some time to sit down and talk about what do we do with all this? Because we're supposed to serve one another and food is just such a, it's such a simple way. It's such a universal way to serve one another and to bring people, you know, bring people over, invite them into your homes. Uh, and so we need to sit down and talk about how do we navigate this? How do we view all these things? And so Tim, why don't we just start with when it comes to uh, my church, my brothers and sisters in Christ, and they say, Hey, we want to have you over for dinner. And I know I'm on a very strict diet. I'm on, I'm on the newest, I'm on the newest fad diet. It's the biggest craze right now. And it's going to give me, you know, washboard abs. Sure. Uh, you know, I'm going to lose a hundred pounds off this diet. But if I, if I break it this time, I'm never going to go back. I know I'm never going to go back. <laughs> so, <laughs> so in that scenario, should the person violate their fad diet just because some jerk from the church who has no idea that they're on this diet right now is trying to have them over for dinner. Yeah, definitely. Man. Violate the, <laughs> violate the fad diet. Is that easy? Huh? Like is that easy? Yeah. No, I, um, one of the things that's happened is that, um, I mean, we, we obviously as Americans were significantly overweight and obese, uh, at this point. And so there, there is a reality that most of us should probably eat, you know, eat less than what we're eating. Eat oh, even the probably, children, man. It's even pretty the children, embarrassing. Yeah. yeah. We're all fat. Okay. So, I mean, there's a, there's certainly a problem. And I think many people are, um, right to point out that, that um, you know, 
the results speak for themselves. Okay. <laughs> so just go, <laughs> go to your neighborhood Walmart and you will see the reality of what we speak of uh, without too much difficulty. So, you know, a lot, a lot of people are overweight and that's, that's a real problem. And in there's, you know, there's obviously a lot of preventable z- diseases that, um, um, could be avoided if we would eat healthier and we're in pretty bad shape. You know, we're getting fatter as, as a country. Uh, it's, um, yeah. Heart disease is one of the leading killers in our country. Yeah. I mean, most of the main, um, causes of death are, are weight related. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a significant problem. I, I saw a picture of a guy, I think it was like a picture of a guy in 1908 or whatever, the fattest man in the world in 1908. He just looked like a normal guy at Walmart now. <laughs> so It's pretty funny. <laughs> But if he was the fattest guy in the world, you know, the, I need to the, find that. I need to find yeah, that picture. It's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. But Actually, then, now that you say it, I, I think I have, I, I feel like I have seen that before because I feel like I, I have heard someone make the same comment like, Hey, this just looks like my neighbor. <laughs> this is my neighbor. Yeah. So I mean, we're overweight um, and you know, our diet is, you know, one of the most unhealthy diets in the history of the world, for sure. I mean, that food pyramid thing was uh, way off. And so I think uh, there's a lot of things that are conspiring to keep us overweight and uh, keep us fat. And so there's, there's, there's things to be considered at that point. And, you know, a lot of us would do better, like we'd be better stewards of the body that God has given us if we would uh, pay a little bit more attention to the kind of foods that we're eating and the quantities that we're eating. I mean, you can think about, um, I saw a, um, I think it was a documentary on McDonald's at one point and you know that um, the single cheeseburger with a small drink and a small fry that used to be an adult meal, you know? <laughs> so, so we're certainly like the portions are getting bigger. We're, yeah. we're getting fatter. I mean, a lot of it's the sugar that we're drinking. We're drinking a, a lot of sugar. Um, you know, the easiest way to gain a bunch of weight is just to drink sugar drinks. And mm-hmm. most of us are addicted to, addicted to sodas and um, you know, in the South, sweet tea. Um, if you go to other parts of the country, they have no idea what you're talking about there. But um, no, I mean, we, we're addicted to sugar and like we have problems and we, we should uh, try to make changes. But then on the other side of things, uh, one, one of the things that's happened is that um, you do have very strong expectations in the Bible of both giving and receiving hospitality. So God's created the world in such a way that food takes a big place um, in the life of you know what we do. Uh, you know, he's created us in such a way that we need to eat, you know, several times a day, mm-hmm. um, you know, a couple to three times a day on average is what most people eat. Um, there's, you know, there's diets out there that try to get you to eat five times a day, but you know, it, it's normal to eat three meals a day. Life centers around food. You know, if you just try to eat once in the morning, you're going to be hungry pretty soon. And I mean, that's part of the way that life works. And, you know, that's, um, um, God's made the world in such a way that it does center around food. You know, food takes a predominant place. And part of giving and receiving hospitality in the Bible, it's inext- um, it's uh, unavoidably tied to food. That's the way it works. I mean, when we, um, when we meet Jesus at the end of, you know, history, we're going to uh, be invited to the marriage supper of the lamb where we're going to eat. You know, Jesus talks about he's not going to, you know, drink the fruit of the vine again until he drinks it. Uh, new with us in his kingdom. So, I mean, the food takes a pr- pr- uh, prominent place in this life and the next. And, and we, you know, as you read through the Bible, there's a lot of commands about hospitality and, you know, they like the idea of hospitality in the Bible, it is very food centric. 
And so there's a lot that the Bible has to say about hospitality, about giving and receiving hospitality, doing so joyfully. And it really is centered around food uh, predominantly. And so as Christians, we need to regain like a doctrine of hospitality. Uh, that's part of the pro- uh, point of the po- part of the point here. And the idea of just like not accepting food, hospitality from one of your church family members is just, you know, from from biblical point of view, that's just unthinkable. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a, in, like it's a gross insult. It's the height of entitlement. It's it's really just it's really bad. And we we're getting um, we're getting to a point right now where we're so unaccustomed to hospitality. The world's getting more impersonal. Yeah. We're so un, unaccustomed to hospitality in general that we just we have like w- we do things that would be unthinkable throughout most of the history of the world. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, like uh, you know, I was thinking about this the other day when I was growing up. Um, one of the things that would just happen all the time as a kid is I would just, I would go to other people's houses and I would knock on their door, you know, and I, and I would, sometimes it was my friend who answered the door. Sometimes it was friends, parents who would answer the door whatever. And, you know, I would just say, Hey, you want to come out and and let's play outside or Hey, is so-and-so home? I want to, you know, see if they wanted to do something. And that's pretty much, um, it's like gone, an yeah. unthinkable thing to do now. Like it, like if someone not, if someone knocks on someone else's door, it's almost treated like a, who the heck could be here, you know? <laughs> yeah, I yeah uh, the uh, what is that show? Uh, Jerry Jerry Seinfeld uh, show with um, the cars and comedians or something like that. Oh, I I've, that, cars and comedians. I have no idea. Uh, all right, well there, there's some kind of show I saw. Um, I don't watch a whole lot of TV. I can't remember what it's called, but. There was an episode on there that I saw a brief uh, bit of it, but he had mentioned the fact that company is one of those words that has been erased from our vocabulary. Mm-hmm. So you used to talk about having company over or something like that. And and he was pointing out that like that word no longer like exists in our vocabulary. Like we don't even talk like that anymore. We don't say we're having company over. And part of that's because we've just, we're, you know, everything's online now. We've lost any concept of hospitality but then you know as you read the bible one of the things you'll see is um the bible is very clear about this so you know first corinthians 10 27 says if an unbeliever invites you to dinner and you're disposed to go the bible says eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of your conscience now i mean that's talking about like you know if they give you meat offered to idols you need to eat it but then the the uh, instruction there is you eat whatever is set before you mm-hmm. and that used to be like a very strong christian expectation that if someone's going to cook a meal and you're going to go over to their house and you you know what hospitality means if they're going to spend their money on that food and make that food for you right yeah uh, like if they're going the to spend the time to spend the time you know like to out, get their get house the cleaned up yeah. get the groceries cook the thing I guess the insult is like the height of ingratitude to say no thanks. But then like we do that without blinking, right? Mm-hmm. We, we Not only do we do that, we give them a list of all of our expectations about the things that we're, you know, willing to eat. Um, so we make it difficult for just like pure preference issues. We have all these like questionable categories of food sensitivities that we bring up to, you know, make the process even more difficult. And then, you know, to make matters even more complicated, you get, you have all the fad diets that are out there and, you know, things like that. And so, you know, we've just, we've lost this idea of just giving joyfully and receiving hospitality with you know, Thanksgiving. And, and I think that that used to go even beyond, um, <clears throat> they used to go beyond even just like, um, the Christian worldview, right? Like 
I mean, I was, I was raised that you eat whatever people give you, right? No matter what, you, and, just, and not even, and not even you eat it, but like you finish it. <laughs> we, and you say thanks <laughs> even if you yeah, don't I mean, like it you know, yeah, yeah now now it definitely is coming from the bible I mean, it's coming from the bible but it's is every society throughout the history right. of the world even even non-christians that recognize that that is the morally right thing to do to show respect right to show respect yeah and to show gratitude and to show thankfulness and to not embarrass someone and to you know like we just have manners like we had simple manners and so like, right now we're living in a like a unique time where We've just lost the concept, but then it's not it's not as if we've just gotten more sophisticated as a society is like this is a downgrade. Yeah, you know? we're we're regressing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even the pagans understand this, you know, so like this isn't something new. But I mean, this is one of those things where if you talk about um you'll have no shortage of people who get really, really mad at you. Just saying this basic thing. So yeah. So like the long story short is it is a very real biblical expectation that you you know, you joyfully, gratefully receive hospitality, even if you're on a diet, you know? And so, um, I mean, there's a lot we could say about the, like your fad diets and everything else, but I mean, the short, the short of it is, it's just a real expectation that you need to come up with. But, uh, do you have any more questions along those lines? Yeah. To diets? Yeah. So, um, I guess relating to the diet, you know, you're saying, Hey, you need to give up the diet momentarily at least. Right. <laughs> um, and some in some of these cases probably so so that relates to fad diets right like i can't you know if i'm if i'm on my carnivore only diet and someone yep. and someone gives me puts vegetable puts some steaming broccoli on my plate yep. um you know you you expect you expect me the bible expects me god expects me to eat what my food eats yeah, <laughs> basically, <laughs> get over yourself. Um, yeah, no. Eat so the, just eat the broccoli. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I, I, there there is a very real biblical command, or there 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 is like um biblical like precedent for attempting to take care of yourself. But mm -hmm. then what's what's happening is, is this is just a massive overreaction that people are having as it relates to these concepts. And so we don't have any self-control is part of the problem. Yeah. We don't, we don't have any self-control. And so then, you know, if you're going to embark on some sort of diet, you, you treat it like you're some kind of food addict or something like that. You're literally addicted to sugar and you're literally addicted to this stuff. And what you need is you need some sort of like food purge and food purity. And right now, a lot of the diets are like a lot of your fad diets are elimination diets in one way or another. Yeah. So it's either a whole foods kind of thing, or it's a, you know, carnival diet, carnivore diet or you know it, like there was the south beach diet which was pretty similar to like all the paleo stuff um so you, you know you have like the paleo kind of diet keto. You have the keto keto diet you have carnivore diet whole 30 diet you know so all those are elimination diets and then that's where um you come into con conflict but i mean there there is a very real expectation that you can't just shut your life off and stop being a Christian and neglect all your Christians and responsibilities. And so people really do have to think about these kind of diets, like how they're going to, um, approach them. And, um, you, you know, because if you're going to approach them in such a way that like what, what you don't want to do is you, like God's declared all foods clean, right? Yeah. So there's not like clean foods and unclean foods and everything else. There, there are foods that are better for you and there's foods that are worse for you. Uh, and some people can get like way out of control here where, you know, like if you're on a carnivore diet or something like that, you, you look at something like, uh, 
uh, food cooked in, uh, you know, soybean, soybean oil or whatever, and you, you call it literally poison, right? And so in, in a lot of these diets, they're playing. Yeah, on if these you, impulses. if you eat, um, if you eat soy, you're going to boost your yeah, estrogen levels or boost whatever, estrogen, whatever it is. Yeah. And so it's poison and all that. And it's like, this is just dramatic overreactions and, you know, this is not really a healthy way to approach food. Like there's no such thing as clean and unclean food. Like we, we do have like new food purity kind of laws where you treat certain foods as poison. And, you know, that's just, I mean, it's just not a healthy way to approach life in general. Now, if you, if you want to do that, you want to say, Hey, I want to, you know, I want to do, uh, you know, PSMF for, you know, 30 days or whatever and stick to it generally. I mean, what, what you need is you, like, what you really need is you need like some kind of concept of faithfulness in your normal life mm-hmm. that's mixed with just like some sort of allowance for feasting. Right. Uh, and so uh, the Bible has a lot to say about feasting and a lot, a lot to say about Thanksgiving, a lot to say about hospitality. So you don't want to adopt some rigid diet that's going to, I mean, you need a plan if you're going to lose weight you're going to get in shape. You're going to get healthy. You need some sort of plan. A lot of these things aren't sustainable anyways, but you need some, like most, most diets have built within them some sort of cheat meal kind of thing anyways. So, you know, you, if 21 meals a week, you eat, you know, your 19 healthy meals and you eat your two meals that are cheat meals where you eat whatever you want. And you right. really do need to be on the kind of diet where you know, it does have some kind of. There's a break it. somewhere. <laughs> there's a break somewhere. There's like it's, that you're that you can show to yourself that you're not being a food legalist, right? Mm-hmm. That you're not adopting new laws, and that you're able. You're, you're not going to violate other things the Bible say says for the sake of obeying in another area. You just want to balance life in general, and the more that you stick to these things, I mean, they're not very sustainable, anyways. And so, you know, as my wife and I, we approach these things. I mean, what we've always tried to do is just, okay. We're going to make an intentional effort to lose weight, but if anyone invites us over to their home, like we're going to eat whatever they give us with Thanksgiving, and that'll, that'll be our cheat meals, you know. So you have a good health. Like what you need is you need like healthy, normal uh, patterns that you establish, routines like for your family that are life giving, and then you need to like chill out when people invite you over, mm-hmm. <laughs> and just give with it, you know, give give whatever they, yeah, you know, be willing to eat whatever is set before yeah. you. Because that's not just an optional, arbitrary thing. That's just part of the Christian life. Um, now, I mean, like, it could be that you have so many people, you know, inviting you over one night a week or whatever that you just, if you end up, you know, going <laughs> to every <laughs> Saying occasion, yes to everyone, you're never going to have a diet at <laughs> all. You're going to end up like a Wally person or something like that. But, uh, you <laughs> know. A Wally no, person. <laughs> lose the ability to walk. Lose the, no. I mean, most people are not anywhere near like that kind of problem you know if you have a person over once a week that's i mean most people need a shoot to have more hospitality in their life and not less hospitality in your life and and so you know most people are not anywhere near that and you, and it, you know i think um like um the god god's honored when you you're not a food legalist and you haven't adopted new f- food purity laws and you know if you're going to do like restrictive elimination kind of diets uh things like that you just need to, you need to do so uh not not as a food legalist, but as a person who's just making an intentional decision that has room, you know, to budge. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, some of those things, you can do those things for a little bit and lose a little bit of weight, make different lifestyle changes, but you'll gain it all back if you don't have some way of uh, getting on some kind of healthy scheme long-term. And you just, so the, the basically the point though, is just to say that you need to have some sort of allowance for, 
you know, God's given us all things for to, to enjoy about making new food laws and, you know, having some sort of flexibility built within the system. And hospitality is a good chance to build that flexibility within it. Okay. So that applies to the sort of the person who's saying, Hey, I'm making a personal choice, you know, to like get healthier, whatever, you know, you, you can, obviously there's a lot of different ways to go about doing that. And some are more effective than others. Um, but with all of those, with all of those sorts of diets, we're basically talking about someone who is in and of themselves saying, Hey, I'm, I want to try and sort of reform, you know, my diet, take back my health probably in some way. Um, what about the person who they go to the doctor and the doctor, for whatever reason, tells them, you know, hey, you've really got to cut back on X or, hey, you've got to cut this out entirely or, you know, you're going to you're going to face serious health problems down the road or even, you know, possibly even like, hey, I mean, you could you could there's a very real chance that you could die if you keep eating whatever, you know, whatever the thing is, does, is that like in a separate category than the person who is in and of themselves just saying, Hey, I, I you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit overweight. I want to, I want to cut back. Um, are those, are those different categories in your mind when it comes to ho- the hospitality thing or are they still the same? I mean, you, you, it, it just, this is just a broad spectrum of the kind of things that you could be talking about in general. So, I mean, there, there are like real food allergies, like peanut allergies and, mm-hmm. um, you know, shellfish allergies that kind of, I mean, there's kind of allergies where if you, you know, consume a, you know, peanut, you could end up in anaphylactic shock and go to the emergency room kind of thing. So there's that. And then there's just this broad spectrum of food sensitivities that we could be talking about as well. And then there's just like things like diabetes and, you know, <laughs> right. um, th- th- those sorts of things where um, you have, you know, uh, insulin kind of issues and, you know, all that. So, I mean, I, I think, um, like, like it just depends on what we're talking about now. I mean, like there's been plenty of doctors who've come along and essentially told someone, like, if you don't start making healthy lifestyle changes, they say to the morbidly obese person, um, then, you know, you're going to end up, you know, either getting diabetes or you're going to end up, um, you know, having significant health problems. And, and what they're doing is they're just pointing to probabilities at that point. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and, um, so like that's, I mean, largely what they're doing is pointing to probabilities. And, and so, I mean, I, I'm not, um, I, like this, they could give you like a really restrictive diet, um, that you're going on and, you know, doctor's orders, right. You know, here's your new food laws or whatever. And it's like, I mean, I think you still like, you know, you still need to have some sort of like place for your eating your you know, 19 healthy meals a week and you have two meals that are cheat meals. Like you're you're if you were to stick to those 19 meals, you're going to be fine, you know, mm-hmm. in the vast majority of cases. Now, if, it, if, if it's just a real health emergency, that's not just like you need to like the doc, I'm the doctor and I'm, you know, telling you, you need to make changes or else you're going to be in trouble, you know, in some, you know, nebul- nebulous sense. Like if there's some real kind of thing, um, then that's different, you know? So, I mean, I, I, I think, um, what the Bible's describing, eat whatever is set before you, like what what they're describing right there is just the general expectation for human beings. And I mean, no one's no one's going to look at the person who, you know, 
has a peanut allergy and say, well, you eat that to the glory of God and go into your emergency room and, and you know, <laughs> greater love has no man than to die, you know, for his friends kind of thing. So that, that's just not, that's not what we're talking about. So, so I shouldn't, I shouldn't lay down my life for my friend who's inviting me over to dinner <laughs> Not if and that, asking I mean, but not, me to eat like not, a not Reese's cup is, or something. <laughs> yeah. No, the thing is like, there's a lot of things though in that category that we're just being really dramatic about, you know, okay. like we're being really, so like there's, I mean, you know, sure. If there's some kind of life threatening thing, sure. You know, and then there's a lot of stuff that's a lot more questionable and we need to think through what we're even talking about. You know, I, I, I think I was involved in a internet discussion with some, one of the carnivore guys on uh, the internet last week and um they um they were essentially describing you know uh cooking with uh, canola oil or whatever as estrogen producing and poison literal poison you know yeah. and you you know you're fine to reject literal poison it's like, that's just where we've like crossed a line and got like i mean if you're eating 21 20 healthy meals a week like that's just not sane you know like, like we, all food is a gift from god and should be received with thanksgiving and so like you can have people who are very dramatic on this subject and you know and and, and part of it is because we all have inner legalists in us that want to add to god's commands and you know there's a lot of people who like really are viewing food like a new religion right now and mm-hmm. so i mean it used to be psychology was everything you know and a lot of people are I, i'm surprised at how many people like are tolerating the kind of things we're saying on twitter as it relates to psychology but food food um food food um food is the new religion it's like a, yeah people. it's definitely like a golden calf kind of thing right yeah yeah and, you know so you have go ahead go who, ahead keep, keep going well you, you just have mother mothers who uh, think that they can essentially control all of the kids behavior with food i mean you have people who think like, you know, that it's sinful to eat certain kinds of food and they just need to wake up and, you know, go, like uh, maybe God needs to give them a vision of a sheet like he did for Peter. you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I mean, they're really there are people who've just really accepted these like food laws. And, and part of it is just because they've realized that, hey, like they don't want to be fat just like everyone else and suffer from all these preventable diseases. But you like, look, man, you, you know, you, you eat your 19 healthy meals a week. You're fine. You know, yeah. just. Establish a good pattern of life. Don't, don't don't turn it into an idol. Don't turn it into a religion. Well, don't I turn think, it into new food laws. You know. You know. I think one of the things I've noticed with this is is really like with especially with these fad diets, they're so strange. Like people get so emotionally invested in them, and really, at least when it comes to like the keto diet or like this, you know, carnivore diet. I know. I don't know how many people are familiar with this, but there's that liver King guy who, you know, was, I mean, Matt, he's massive. He's jacked. Um, and he claims it's, it's all, you know, he's totally clean in terms of like steroids and stuff. And he's pushing this sort of like, I think it's like nine pillars of holistic living or something like that. And one, you know, one of the, one of the thing, one of the pillars is like eat raw meat you know, and, and he's pushing that as like, if you want to be like me, if you want to be just absolutely massive, you have to yeah. eat your, all of your meat raw. And, and, you know, of course it comes out like he's on, I think like 12 or $13,000 worth of steroids every month that, and that, that's why he's so big. I mean, I saw him the first time I was like, well, yeah, of course he's on steroids. Look at him. No one, yeah. like no one gets that big, but then it really does feel like a lot of people have almost sort of glorified uh like 
humans of of you know ages past kind of thing where they uh they're they're rebelling against the whole like processed food sort of <laughs> culture that yeah. we live in but then i think they take it so far the other way that they're you know they're like hey the only way to be healthy is to you know, eat all your meat raw now. And it's like, okay, yeah. all right. I feel like there's got to be a middle ground in there somewhere. Yeah, so what's happening is you have several things that are happening. So the natural path movement is like, natural path movement is a religion. Like it really is a new religion and it's a substitute for psychology. So part of it is like when you're having like the caveman kind of diet, that kind of thing. I mean, these are diets that are based on evolutionary assumptions. Yeah. And so, like, so there's, there's that. Uh, but then like with your natural path stuff, this is a different religion. And that's what people don't understand. Like, it's totally a different religion. So, like, the the whole idea of, like, the natural path religion is that nature and the raw heals. Mm -hmm. So, like, you have to give your body what it needs to heal. Like, that's that's the thing. And so when you hear, like, natural path people talking, there's this blind, like, assumption that anything man-made is bad, right? Yeah. And, like, you know, so all the words are code words that don't really mean what, like they're saying it's just like psychology right so with psychology therapy is not therapy medicine's not medicine right mm-hmm. like so like therapy's not therapy medicine's not medicine like illness is not illness right like all the words are the same thing is happening with the natural path movement uh so organic right so i took a chemist organic chemistry in college <laughs> like organic chemistry is a study of carbon-based life forms I yeah. mean, all foods organic right i mean except for you know minerals or whatever but i mean all foods organic like that's what it is it's organic food but what's happening is you hijack a label right and organic means like you know you know um not processed but you know all the food they're talking about is processed you know mm-hmm. to one degree so all the words just are not real words but then the assumption that undergirds it like here's the point the assumption is that nature and the raw will heal and what they don't have is they don't have a doctrine of like sin entering into the world. So the Bible says that creation has been subjected to futility because of him who subjected it in hope of, you know, the deliverance that comes from the sons of God. So like the idea is that nature, nature is trying to kill you. Right. Mm-hmm. So like that's part of the fall that, you know, nature in, in its raw form, it gives you sunburns. Nature in raw, its raw form has thorns and thistles. So it's not as if nature is some goddess mother, mother earth that if you can just, you know, get, get, yeah, get all the man-made stuff as best you can out of it that then you're going to be healing. I mean, you have fall, like we, we live in a fallen world and, you know, as part of our job is to do some of the effects of the fall. So what we do is we fight nature in a Christian worldview and in, in, in a Christian worldview, nature is like hostile to us mm-hmm. and we use like the creation itself to try to limit the effects of the fall and so there's trade-offs there, you know, there's trade-offs in both directions, but all I'm trying to say is nature on its own, you know, uncultivated nature, like our job is to cultivate it. And, and like in your natural path worldview, there's no place for man in that system, right? It's just nature in the raw, it's whole, it's going to heal you. And I mean, the people who really get caught up in that, they believe that basically every disease is um, a preventable disease and that if you can just get tap into nature in its raw form, reject, you know, almost all technology, you know, all of mankind's involvement, you're going to be fine. But that's just that this is a different religion. This is a biblical worldview. And so a lot of these things, like you just have to ask where they're coming from. And, you know, there's like, um, and this is why you have all these new schemes that are, you know, being set up and, and the word of God, you know, the grass withers, the flower fades, the word of God abides forever. 
And, you know, if the Bible says, give us this day our daily bread, it can't be that bread is just horrible for you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I've done, you know, I've done PSMF. I've done these kind of things. I lost a lot of weight on that. And like, but the thing is like, you, you do feel miserable because you don't have any energy because you're rejecting all the carbs, you know? So it's not like a, a great way to live permanently, you know? Mm-hmm. So what you need is you need to like use some common sense, um, Use some common sense. Uh, remember, like, there's no such thing as uh, unclean food, you know, and then just trust in, like, some of the things that Bible says. Um, so God's given us, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's all the, you know, vegan stuff that basically, like, a lot of the nutrition science has basically told us for years that meat is so bad for us, right? Yeah. And it's just like, you need to get your protein from animals and plants. And there's all the, there's all sorts of agendas that are involved in this. And now there's a reaction to that with the carnivore stuff, but the Bible doesn't change. You know, so uh, the things that are in the Bible uh, don't, don't change. And God has right. given us food and he's told us what kind of food to eat. I mean, he hasn't given us like a specific plan, but like, you know, whatever, if anyone's telling you that meat is unclean, well, God's given us meat to eat, you know, there's all these hormonal problems that happen if you don't eat meat anyways. And so like all that happens is your nutrition science goes, you know, back and forth, up and down. I mean, I remember when, you know, low fat was the way to go and everything was low fat and then it turned into now it's, you know, keto, high fat. And it just, you just, you just have to trust the Bible, man, and not get caught up in the fats, but yep. Yeah. My, my impression with all of that, especially like the sort of, you know, the sort, those sort of, uh, like cavemen type diets has always been yeah. like, do you think that everyone, you know, before, before, like, I guess, you know, three or 400 AD was just like, every guy was just 260 pounds of just pure muscle, you know, <laughs> like looked like he could bench press a whole building. Is that what you think they all looked like? What is the story uh, in Judges um, of the king, is it Eglon or whatever, where um, Othniel stabs him uh, through his gut and, you know, and, the blade the sword, goes all the way. Yeah, the sword yeah. goes all the way through him. The hilt is engulfed yeah, in the, the fat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, clearly yeah. everyone wasn't. I mean, maybe he was 260 pounds, but it wasn't pure muscle, <laughs> Right, right. but, uh, yeah, that, that's, I, I always laugh at that because I just, I think, I think that along with like, you know, we have a lot of, um, uh, entertainment type things that also kind of normalize like guys being just totally massive, like all the superheroes, they're just insanely big, you know, and, and you know, I mean, you know, they're not real they're not real characters, but then, you know, they are real people who are acting those guys out. And some of them are just that big. I, you know, I don't think it's natural. They're that big naturally, but I think, you know, you, you spend enough time watching those kinds of things. And then you see guys online who are saying, Hey, you you know, if you want to look like that, you got to eat this and you got to eat that and you got to stay away from this and stay away from that. I think over time that, that can really start to, um, make you make you think that it's a lot more normal than than it actually is when when if you look at like those bmi calculators they tell a totally different story in terms of what's healthy and what's not healthy but um going back to the hospitality um you know rejecting food based off of certain diets basically what you're saying is uh you know pretty much outside of like hey if i eat this i'm gonna die the answer should be like, just eat it basically. Is that, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think there's some, 
there's probably some sort of scale, but you know, cl- I, I, in terms of um, like we're talking about in the realm of diets at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, are we talking about the realm of diets? Or are we talking about the realm of like food sensitivities, food allergies? Well, just, just any any of it, any of it. Yeah, I mean, in general, like it, it's very clear if you're going to eat this and you're going to die, you're going to go to the emergency room. Then we're just talking about a different category of thing. And then there's some sort of scale with the food allergy kind of stuff to where. You know, I've I've heard plenty of people say, if I eat this, you know, I'm gonna get gas, you know, for a few days or something. <laughs> yeah. You know, but then when I say that and I laugh, and it's like you don't know what it's like to have this painful gas that I have. And it's like, well, I mean, I I know what it's like to eat a Taco Bell. So, <laughs> you know, I think I think a lot of this, like, you can make a lot of it a lot worse than what it actually is. And like, you know, people who are really caught up in it and it becomes an idol for them, it really. Like there is a kind of person who can train themselves to feel icky when they eat certain things because they're looking to food to do things that is not. And so there's obviously a scale, you know, I'm not trying to say that there's no uh, legitimate, you know, food sensitivities out there. I I would say that um, um, a lot of them are being self-diagnosed right now. And then, um, so there's that. And then, you know, um, there isn't like i don't think we're dealing like in the land of food sensitivities with settled objective science right now either um so there's some um concerns about the way that these things are even being diagnosed at a professional level but you know i mean if if uh, th- there are some legitimate stuff out there and that uh, you're really going to just you know be curl up in a ball for several days and it's not all in your brain and that kind of stuff. And so I, I just think we have to ask, what are we talking about? You know, mm-hmm. uh, and there's a lot of people who say that that's what it is, but then they'll selectively eat, you know, these foods that they're intolerant to, you know, on their whim when they want to, you know, and they'll just, you know, um, deal with it. And I would say that those are the kind of situations where it really does cause you to think, you know, what's going on here. Right. So, I mean, I think there's some sort of scale there. Um, where certain things do affect people a lot more than others. And, um, you know, by and large, I, I think we need to um, really question a lot of, like, I don't think we just have a knee-jerk response to trust everyone who says any of those kind of things. Um, like, I think we need to rethink, you know, why is it that, you know, one in 10 adults, one in you know 13 kids has some sort of food allergy now? You know, what did they do throughout the whole history of the world before these things? And, you know, no one right. ever died, you know, for the most part. So, I mean, I think as a general rule, you really need to have, like, if you're going to be rejecting food hospitality, it doesn't need to be because of some sort of diet you're on. Um, you know, it, it really needs because you have a real legitimate medical reason that is not just a, you know, trivial thing that, like, is going to you know, be significant, you know. Now, what about on the other end of things? So we, we spent a lot of time talking about the person who is receiving the food. What about the person who is offering the food? Is there room for them to say, hey, you know, look, I want to, you know, I not not because of compulsion. Like, I just want to, like, serve you something that I know you'll like. So is there any room to say, um, hey, you know, what do you like? What do you not like? Um what do you typically try and avoid? What do you typically try and, you know, eat? And then, so, so like for the vegetarian person, um, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily think that that's like a good like diet to have, especially if your whole reasoning is just, I want to save the animals. But then if I'm having someone over for dinner, 
do I have the freedom to just say like, Hey, I'm just going to make a vegetarian meal just because I want, you know, that's what I want to do. Because someone is a vegetarian, basically. Yeah. <laughs> is that what you're saying? Yeah. Like, Hey, I know you're a vegetarian, you know, um, am I like, am I free to just like say, Hey, it's, I'm just going to make a vegetarian meal. It, one of the things that's complicated at this point is the fact that there's so many things right now. So I could, like, a lot of it's like a generational thing, basically. Yeah. So like meaning like it, when you're dealing with the older generation, these aren't things, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like these aren't things like that you're even talking about when you're dealing with older people. When, when you're dealing with younger people right now, there's just no like, um, there's no brakes on it. And it's like totally out of control. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when you're, when you're living like in a time where it's just totally out of control and it's like anything and everything can be a reason they'll say no. Right. So whether it's just pure preference, like I just don't want to eat that because I've decided I don't want to eat that. Right. Yeah. And, or, you know, if it's like, I don't like that, you know, and like when you, when you have like a list of like 20 different demands as it relates to food, you know, that are just totally arbitrary based on nothing, you know, whether it's their diet. And then when you have like a group of people like that who all have their competing stuff, at a certain point you have to figure out, well, how do we approach this sort of thing? It, you, you get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because you can't make, I mean, you can't, you know, invite a group of people over and literally make, you know, 14 different meals to figure out how to <laughs> right. get, get yeah. to everyone. You know, so like your question is, should you like, like, is it okay to try to be somewhat sensitive towards it all? Well, the problem is like, there's when it's out of control, like what's happening is like, we're just like, the only answer is, I guess we just never have anyone over it because we're going to violate all their either, you know, preferences or their, you know, their diets. Or their <laughs> like, is it even possible to have a situation at this point where you feel like you can make the vegetarian meal and it's not under compulsion? Is that, is that kind of what you're getting at? Well, what I'm trying to say is like, it, okay, well, I can't make the vegetarian meal if I got a carnivore guy over there. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I can make the vegetarian meal for the vegetarian, but I'm going to have to make a vegetarian meal. I'm going to have to make a carnivore meal. I'm going to have to make like 10 different meals. Like, and so like the, the, the issue is like at some point trying to be sensitive to all of it, like what's going to end up happening is that you're just you're in a, like, you're in a lose-lose situation, if that, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, if you're living in more of a sane world, like, a very sane thing to do in, like, most situations is just to say, hey, you know, what's your favorite food? We're going to try to make it, right? Yeah. Like, that's a very normal, that's, like, just being hospitable. But then when you're, like, running up against, like, just list, <laughs> you know, of mm -hmm. off-limits, taboo, that are just like, you know, it's a diet, it's, um, you know, self-diagnosed food sensitivity. It's, uh, you know, it's um, uh, just pure preference on your part. It's just a random decision you made, you know, that you're sticking to, you know. At some point, I think you just have to say, hey, like, we just have to be normal people. And if you don't want to eat it, then don't eat it, you know, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, so I mean, I think that there's a, there's a, there's, there's obviously a place as a good host for, doing exactly what you're saying and but then at the same time if you're living in like crazy world there's also the reality that like man this is out of control and i don't like maybe we need to quit asking so much because we're just cuddling a bunch of weirdness does that make sense 
Um, yeah. So, so like maybe in a different time where it's not <laughs> this ridiculous thing, it might be easier to, to with, with a clear conscience accommodate that. But then at this point it's, it's, basically become like a monster almost and yeah ways. it really is a mo- i mean i think if you're inviting old people over your house and you say hey what's your favorite meal you know we'll make it right yeah like you're you're dealing with a different kind of animal than inviting a bunch of young people over to your house and trying to figure out like the more choices you give them like the more you'll realize that you're just in an impossible like no one has the money to do all this you know to figure out how to cook 10 different things for 10 different people that mm-hmm. they'll all not only prefer, but like, and won't violate. I mean, at a certain point, you're just like, all right, we're just, here's what we're making. Eat it if you want, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you don't, then we're not going to be mad at you. But you know, you, like, it's just at some point you just have to just say, Hey, we're not doing this anymore. What about in the situation where it's just like one person coming over though? Like it's not 10 people coming over. It's just one person. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not trying to say it's sinful to ask them, Hey, um, what are what are your dietary restrictions you know yeah but but i i do i do think um if you know that you know people are out of control with this and like a lot of this isn't as biblical as you think Mm -hmm. like like one way that you can be speaking truth into their life is not just to enable this kind of self-centered narcissistic you know behavior indefinitely um, so, you know, I, I think at, at a certain point you just have to say, Hey, you know, maybe the best thing I can do is have a conversation with him about it instead of tiptoeing around it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And so, and, and maybe just treating them like I would treat a normal human being that lived throughout the history of the world, you know, and if mm-hmm. they get offended by it, then whatever, you know, like, does that, does that make sense? Like it may be a real opportunity to speak into their life instead of just being another person coming along and, you know letting i mean like when people get caught up in this stuff like they're you know they're dramatically making their lives like harder Mm -hmm. Uh, you know for them and for everyone around them you know and it's just not a good way to live and maybe you can be a person come along and trying to help them to grow up a little bit and okay you know so there's that but i don't know okay well with the with the last bit of time we have tim i wanted to ask you about um two passages of scripture that are basically talking about the same thing. Um, and those, those are found in first Corinthians chapter eight and then Romans chapter 14, both, uh, from Paul, uh, outlining, you know, uh, basically like, Hey, eat, telling, telling the two different audiences, Hey, eat whatever is set before you, right. With a clear conscience. But then, but then he also addresses, uh, this idea of the weaker brother, and so sure. I wanted I wanted to ask you about those two things, and and how do they how do they work together when it comes? Well, well, uh, I, I'm getting ahead of myself. Before I before I ask you about that, I wanted to ask you: Do those verses actually apply to the situation that we're talking about? Because in both passages of scripture, um, he he's mentioning he's talking about it in the context of meat sacrifice to idols right because because obviously that was a common thing back then it's not really that's i don't know that that's really a common thing anymore you know to sacrifice your meat to to false gods um 
but then do do the things that he is saying translate to this this conversation about dietary restrictions and you know various diets that people are on um so yeah. do, does it relate and then if it does relate then um what do we what do we get from these passages how do we understand the whole weaker brother thing um but and, let's start with does it apply in general yeah i mean they're just talking about a very different kind of situation there so like the the the, the idea of the weaker brother is the is the brother who's going to be led into sin by following you down certain practices, which are theoretically permissible to do, but then um, they may make certain assumptions about that and lead them into sin. So like that's the idea of the weaker brother. So the primary discussion that's being had in New Testament times centered around food was not this discussion of, um, you know, rejecting hospitality for arbitrary reasons, right? Mm -hmm. So like the whole, none of it makes sense like none of it makes sense unless you have a robust understanding of hospitality that is present within the discussion itself. So like the, the, the issue is like there's this assumption in the ancient world if someone invites you over to their house, you need to eat what they set before you, right? right. Like that, yeah. Or you you're going to gonna dishonor it. them basically. You're going to dishonor them, you're going to shame them, right? And you're going to be like not only you're dishonoring them, you're dishonoring yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, because uh, like you just don't do that and so like you have a real conflict because there's just this immutable expectation of hospitality but then you have allegiances to god too and so then like if you're put in a situation where they're presenting you with food that's been offered to an idol then it feels like your fundamental commitment to god is clashing with your commitment to them right yeah and so daniel shadrach meshach and abednego were basically in that kind of situation while they're in babylon you know, and this is why they requested to only eat vegetables because they were under the Mosaic food laws, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so now we're not under the, uh, the Israelites were not under the food laws anymore because, you know, when Christ come, he declared all foods clean. So you don't have the, like the, the food laws anymore that they're under. So there's not a conflict there, but there's still this new issue of food being offered to idols. And what do they do about that? So if I eat this food offered to idols, is that a religious act for me? Is that an act of worship to a pagan god? So that's that's the discussion that undergirds all of these things. And there's a certain kind of Christian who feels like if I eat that food, I'm defiled. Does that make it, sense? Yeah. Like I'm defiled. Like that's an act of false worship. And like that's me serving, you know. This false god, and I can't do it. Now, like the 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 logic of the New Testament, though, is to say that the earth is the Lord's and its fullness thereof, and like the idol is nothing, right? So mm -hmm. eat whatever is set before you. Don't ask any questions for your conscience' sake. Uh, you know, you don't have to worry about that kind of thing. You can go to the meat market, and just because they're selling meat at a discounted price that's been offered to an idol, you don't have to worry about it. Like you don't have to worry about it because, like, like every all the food is God's food. These idols these false gods they don't actually exist and so all you have to do is just don't worry about it just eat whatever they give you buy whatever you want to buy at the meat market don't even ask questions like so you don't even have to think about it right because it all belongs to god so like that's the issue that undergirds this kind of discussion is the issue of false worship and so you have individuals who are coming along and the weaker brother thinks like if i eat this that's me serving a false god and they have to realize you don't have to worry about that right mm-hmm like, so you don't have to, you know, but then if they tell you like, this has been like, you know, so offered to a false God, are you going to eat it? Because, because that means you're going to serve them, right? Then you're allowed to say, well, no, I'm not going to eat it because my religious devotion to God comes first. And if you think this is me worshiping this God, 
I'm not going to do it because I don't want you to think that I care more about you than I care about God. Does that make sense? Um, yeah. So basically like you're free to eat the meat, right? Right. Uh, just in a vacuum, but sure. then, but then you do need to consider like, Hey, how, it, how it, is this going to lead other people, my brothers sin. and sisters into, into sin just, just because they don't have the same, um, you know, understanding about all of that, like they're just, they're new in the faith or whatever, you know, whatever it is, um, this could lead them into sin themselves. And so for, for that, considering that I'm going to give this up, even though otherwise I would be free to do it. Right. Yeah, basically. So, I mean, your primary concern at that point is, is not the lawfulness of eating it yourself. Like your primary concern at that point is just to say, like, my allegiance is totally to God. Like there's nothing objectively wrong with eating this food offered to idols but if it's going to lead someone to sin i need to not do it in that way and so because I, I do want to be concerned about my witness that's the kind of discussion we're having at that point you're not talking about pe- people who like just some new category of you know self-centered narcissistic you know christians coming along with their you know new f- dietary food laws that they've come up with or you know their fad diets they've come up with or you know uh, all of these things, um, like that's, we're just talking about apples. So how, do, how does that relate to, I'm, I'm looking at the passage here and, you know, in, in, like in Roman, let's see, this is, yeah. Romans 14 verse five, you know, Paul's saying one person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special, uh, does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord for they give thanks to God and, and whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God for none of us lives for our, ourselves alone. And none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord for this very reason, Christ died and returned. So, uh, returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. And then in verse 10, he transitions to, uh, talking about judgment. So verse 10, you then, why do you judge your brother and sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? Uh, for we will stand before God's judgment seat. It is written as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, this is verse 13. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister in Christ. So there, it seems to be talking not so not necessarily so much about, uh, or or may, maybe it is still the same thing. But I, I wanted to ask you. It seems like what's being communicated there is going a bit um, beyond what is truly sin and what is uh, truly not sin. Um, and, and it's going into like a more, um, I guess maybe almost like a wisdom category, uh, uh, where, you know, Hey, one person thinks all days are alike. Right. And another person thinks one day is more significant than all the other days. And Paul's, Paul's not necessarily weighing in on it, you know, Hey, it's, it's the guy who thinks it's one day, or it's the guy that, that thinks it's every day. Uh, he's more just saying those two those two people need to figure out how to um, uh, how to live in harmony with each other as brothers yeah. and sisters in Christ. So 
So is that still, is that in your mind still the whole, like Paul is saying, don't do something that's going to lead your brother to actual sin. Or is that like a different, uh, is that like a slightly different category? That's still, it's pretty similar, but then it's got some, um, different aspects to it. What, what's your thought there? Yeah, I mean, so what what's happening is this passage is just climaxing to get to Romans fourteen twenty three. So mm-hmm. whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because he, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So like the idea is, and I mean this is something we try to teach people in con- like in counseling in general, is you don't want to violate your conscience because if if you're not confident about it, like you can do something that's objectively fine, but if you feel like it's like an act that's violating God's word, then you shouldn't do it. So like, just to give you an example of something like this, like if you have a person who really believes it's sinful to drink alcohol, for instance, mm-hmm. like it's not objectively sinful to drink al- alcohol. The Bible says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. But if you have a teetotaler, you have a person who feels like it's objectively sinful to do it. If they were to go ahead and do it, right? If you were to go ahead and eat, drink the alcohol, even though you feel like it's sin, what's happening is you sinned but in the act of doing it. And the reason why you sin in the act of doing it, even though it's not objectively wrong is because like your motive is off. Does that make sense? Yeah. You're not, you're not motivated by faith, right? You're not motivated by faith. So that was an act of rebellion. So your conscience is telling you don't do that. And you're willing to lay it aside, you know, because of pressure or whatever else. Like, so what's happening is you have like an act that's not objectively wrong, but you have a heart that's wrong. Does that make sense? Mm Mm-hmm. So what you should never do, like we don't, we, we don't tell, we tell people like, don't violate your conscience, right? (laughs) Like you don't want to violate your conscience. So if your conscience is going off, that this is something that's like a problem, then like you need to like, like you don't just go ahead and do it because like that could be coming from a heart that's like has a lack of faith, right? Mm -hmm. Like it can't, so you don't want to have a defiant heart in that way. So like when you're thinking about this discussion of eating meat, um, you know, one person may have a weak conscience. Like, so we're talking about the, the idea of eating food offered to idols. You, you have a person who has a weak conscience who feels like, man, if I eat that, I'm like, I'm setting aside my, my, um, fundamental commitment to the Lord here in doing this. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. In the same way that like a person, like if I, you know, drink, if I, if they went to Bob Jones university and they feel like if they drink, uh, they like, you know, you know, you don't drink or smoke or chew or go with the girls who do. And so, uh, <laughs> Uh, but like, if you feel like it's a sin to dance or a sin to, um, you know, uh, drink alcohol or it, all that, you know, maybe sm- smoke a cigar or whatever. If you feel like that's wrong, like the issue is if you go ahead and do it anyways, you're rebelling, like in your heart, you have a heart, a rebellious kind of heart. So as Christians, we're not supposed to despise people like that or pass judgment on people like that. Mm-hmm. Like, so you're not supposed to look down on that and just say, oh, you're so stupid, you know, whatever. And like, no, God's died for them. That's their master. You know, they may be misinformed about the lawfulness of this certain thing, but like that's between them and God. And that, that doesn't mean you don't try to inform their conscience, right? There's a place to try to inform their conscience. But what you don't do is you don't pass judgment harshly on them. And like, because there's there's a re- there could be a rebellious um, motive that you're running roughshod over if you just are basically telling them just man, just do it. You know, it's not a big deal. Get over yourself. You know, does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah. Ba- basically it's better. It's better to be the person who is, you know, convinced that 
one of these sort of tertiary issues is is possibly sinful when it's actually not but then you know their conscience tells them to stick to what they think the bible is saying rather than be the person who you know thinks that same way but then violates it and isn't sure what to even think about what they've just done right that's right yeah so so basically you just uh what you're wanting to do with those kind of scenarios is you're you're not just wanting to thoughtlessly encourage people to do something that feels fundamentally rebellious to them um and you know this is a but i mean what you want to do is patiently try to inform their conscience so that their conscience doesn't go off so like our conscience is not a perfect you know, warning system. It's a warning system that we have. It's not a perfect warning system, but then when you sear it, it stops working anymore. Yeah. So that, that's the problem. So the more that you just ignore it, it'll stop working. So you don't want to teach people to do that. What you want to do is just slowly, patiently try to reason with them about um, the, um, those sorts of things. But the, the, the issue that's at, you know, live right there is like, this is an issue of false worship in their mind. They feel like in eating food offered to idols, they're going to be participating in false worship. And and so in that way, they'd rather just only eat vegetables. And so this has nothing to do with like modern vegetarianism or anything else. It's mm-hmm. about like that's about their fundamental commitment to God that's being violated, not just some kind of, you know, pagan choice that they're making. That's I'm trying to pagan. save the animals save the animals it's standing against everything the bible was clearly saying yeah. you know about his purpose in that way but you know so like just apples and oranges different discussion basically okay um but then yeah so so it's it's basically just a total like those verses aren't aren't like the proof text for vegetarian lifestyle is what you're saying oh no no i mean like <laughs> I mean, you know there's nothing more pagan than the idea that you know animals are somehow have some kind of personhood mm-hmm. you know I, I i think i watched avatar or something when it came out and there's that scene where the animal dies and you know like the lady's having some sort of religious moment uh, with the you know the animal dying on the ground and yeah you know i mean this this is just paganism that's coming out and um you know god has given humanity like food to eat and and so you know you have to be people who are speaking against that kind of thing okay but, yeah well, I think that's a, a pretty good place to wrap up. And, and honestly, hopefully the thing that I, that I hope people take away the most from this is um, first, just this idea that we really do have to be a lot more hospitable than we actually are with each other, especially as Christians. And, you know, the Bible, the Bible says that the rest of the world will, will uh, know that we belong to Christ by the way that we love one another and I think this is just a glaring example of that. If we follow through with, um, you know, with a lot of the one another commands, if if we're involved in one another's lives and, and and are loving one another, inviting them over to our homes, going other to going over to other people's homes, providing meals uh, in times of need, because that just doesn't. Uh, it seems like more and more in our society that's that's kind of fading away, and so. Hopefully people, when they, um, when they listen to this episode, one of the things they're really convicted about is, Hey, I'm not involved enough in the lives of my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and I think the other, the other thing that personally I'm wanting people to hear through all of this is that I think we, we really have gotten to a very scary place with a lot of these diets, uh, and a lot of these, these, um, 
you know, intolerances as it comes to food or however, you know, allergies, however it is. Obviously, there's real ones that that are very life threatening, like we said. But then I don't know that those are um, I don't know that I think those are probably relatively rare compared to the amount of people who say they've got some kind of, you know, gluten thing or lactose intolerant thing or um, whatever. And, and so uh, personally, for me, I'm hoping that people hear this and, and they say to themselves, you know, I need to be the kind of person who who desires more than anything to honor the people in my life who want to serve me by making me a meal, by giving me, you know, free food. Um, I want to show them respect and honor. And by doing that, I know what I'm doing is ultimately I'm, I'm honoring the Lord, right? Because, because they're just trying to love me. They're trying to, um, they're trying to follow in Christ's example. Right. And so I don't want to hinder that. And I want to be thankful for what they've done for me. Just like, just like Jesus was thankful to, you know, God, the father, I mean, he, you know, he, um, when he when he's feeding the five thousand, you know what does he do? He he gives thanks to the Father for providing the meal. Uh, he blesses it and then he hands it out to everyone. And so in the same way, we should be thankful uh, towards other people who are providing a meal for us, knowing that our our Father in heaven ultimately is the one who's feeding us. And so if we're not thankful to them, then we're certainly not going to be thankful uh, to God for His provision. And and that goes along with all of the you know, the, the disrespect that you're showing and, and ultimately our culture has sort of become uh, pretty numb to socially overall. But uh, anyways, with all of that being said, uh, we want to thank you guys uh, for listening to this episode, for taking the time to support us. And, and hopefully you've heard some things that have been challenging for you that have been uh, possibly, con- you know, really convicting for you. Um, and that's always our prayer with these types of things is that, we're helping equip you guys uh, for the works of ministry because that's the whole goal of this podcast. But uh, we thank you again. We thank you guys and we look forward to having you on the next one. This has been another episode of Bible Bashed. We hope you have been encouraged and blessed through our discussion. We thank you for all your support and ask you to continue to like and subscribe to Bible Bashed and share our podcast with your friends and on social media. Please reach out to us with your questions, pushback, and potential topics for us to discuss in future episodes at BibleBashedPodcast at gmail.com and consider supporting us through Patreon. If you would like to be Bible Bashed personally, then please know that we also offer free biblical counseling, which you can take advantage of by emailing us. Now, go boldly and obey the truth in the midst of a biblically illiterate world who will be perpetually offended by your every move.